0: The Gospel reading today is from John chapter 6, verses 35 through 51, on page 1060. Uh, this is also the sermon text. Uh, this passage answers um, a question at the end of the last passage. Um, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And then Jesus goes on. This is the gospel of our Lord.
1: Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that has been read. Uh, Thank you that we get to come together and sing your praises, to pray, to confess our sins, to be reminded of the forgiveness and the assurance of that forgiveness that we'll hear later. Thank you, Lord, that you are the bread of life who gives life to us all, all who believe in you. Lord, would you turn our hearts to you? Would you turn our eyes to you? In Christ's name, amen. Um, In a recent podcast, I don't know how recent it was, but uh, uh, a former uh, Surgeon General named Vivek Murthy, who uh, served under the Obama administration, I think he served from 2014 to 2017, he was being interviewed by Brene Brown. Um, uh, A lot of you know who Brene Brown is, but Brene Brown opens up with this quote. She says this, they were speaking about loneliness And she says this, she says, when I think back on my life and the bouts of loneliness that I have had and the experiences of loneliness, I have never been more lonely in my life than when I was surrounded by people I knew and even loved. I didn't know what to call it when I was growing up, but I would would be surrounded, maybe by family or I'd be at school and there would be ten people around me, but I would be so deeply lonely. How can you be lonely in the midst of people you love, people who who love you. As the interview continues, Surgeon General Murthy says, he goes on to speak a little more about loneliness and what loneliness is. He says that we could be seeking relationships with people in order to satisfy a desire. A desire that we really didn't know that we had. Like seeking to be seen, seeking to be known, seeking some self worth in that relationship. And he goes on to say loneliness, as you'll see it defined, is this it's a gap between the relationships that you have and the relationships that you need. So he defines loneliness as the the gap between the relationships that you have and the relationships that you need. See, what Dr. Murthy is saying here is that lonely people are seeking to fill their loneliness with more relationships. But, hang with me, but the relationships that they seek are not the relationships they actually need. Because those relationships will not fill the true longings of their heart. See, we don't always know the longings of our heart. We don't always know the true longings of our heart. Kind of pays to be married to a counselor in this case, because I've heard this language, and and, and I've, I've attended counseling sessions myself. And a good counselor, a wise counselor, will be able to to listen and to kind of dig down to help you discover what those true longings are, what you're looking for. When we don't understand our true longings, our true hunger, then we don't understand how to satisfy that hunger. This is what's happening in our sermon text this morning. And by the way, I'm backing up a little bit. I didn't catch this in the liturgy when we looked at it and reviewed it this week, but I'm backing up a little bit from last week. Because there's more to say, this is a long narrative, this John chapter six, it's a long narrative and there are some difficult sayings in it. And I wanna make sure that we cover the things that I think, I wanna cover the things that I think are important to cover. Um, And next week we'll move into hopefully closing out the, the chapter. But we're going to backtrack a little bit into chapter 20 or into verse 27, but hopefully move through to verse 40 to this morning. So Jesus is telling the crowd, remember, he's telling the crowd that yes, they're hungry, but they don't realize their true hunger and how to satisfy that deepest hunger, that hunger of hungers. And the only way is with the true bread, the only bread that can satisfy the bread of life. See, the crowd was seeking Jesus to satisfy their felt hungers, hungers, what they felt that they needed, what they thought that they needed. And do you remember why they were, why they were, for, why they were going after Jesus after he fed the 5,000? Remember what, he, what they were trying to do? They were going to force him to be king. You know why? Because they wanted a new king, because they wanted freedom from the oppression of the Roman government. That's what they felt they needed, and that's what they wanted. And that's what they were going to use Jesus for. He was going to save them from this oppressive government. Or perhaps they wanted the supply of food that he had to offer. I mean, he just fed how many people? Imagine that. If he was king and he could feed the whole kingdom. What a king. That's what we need. Jesus would have none of it. But can you read, can you relate to those needs? Can you relate to those desires? To see a better government, to see better schools, to see better economy, to see food for the for all the hungry, to see poverty wiped out. I sure can. But you see, when we look at these stories in the Bible, they're 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 told not for us to read and criticize the people in the in the in the story. It's not for us to look at them and say, oh, how blind can they be that they're coming to Jesus and just wanting food? These stories can sometimes serve and sometimes do serve best as a mirror for ourselves. We come to Jesus for the wrong reasons many times. We talked a little bit about this last week. We seek him and we come to him asking him to give us what we think we need. We want fed, we want provided for, we want the better government, the better economy, the better schools. But ultimately we're expressing a deeper desire, a deeper hunger. We're expressing our true hunger. And just like the client telling the counselor, what I need is a better spouse, what I need are better friends, what I need is a better career. So we do the same with Jesus. Jesus, this is what we need, and it'll make everything better. It'll satisfy our longings. It'll satisfy what we need if you just do this for me. And we're not looking at him for who he really is. Where's this true hunger based? Because what we see is Jesus in this, in this text is going to show us our heart and the true hunger that's behind all of our desires. So, where's this true hunger of our hearts based? Well, back in Ecclesiastes, there, there's a, a, a passage that says that God has put eternity in our hearts. God created us with a sense of eternity in our hearts. That there's a sense that we understand that there's more than just this life. We may not be able to explain it, but we know there's something more. St. Augustine, in his confessions, he, in his introductory paragraph, I, I believe it's right in the introduction, he says that we were made for God and our hearts will never rest until they find their rest in him. They see our restless hearts as we all have, our restless hearts act out in misguided ways because they're seeking rest in that which does not really offer rest and satisfaction. We see another hint of this in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 8 when the Lord tells the people that man doesn't live by bread alone and Jesus repeats this when he's in the wilderness repeats it to Satan. Man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from God. Giving us a hint that this life is not all that there is. Yes, we need bread. We need food for this life but there's something more and we cannot live only on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So because we have this true hunger, we're driven to seek that which satisfies our souls. So what is it that we should seek? Well, we see this in this passage today. Usually I try to have about three points. There's about five in this, but they're going to be quick. What is it that we should seek? We should seek true bread through true belief in the true source to bring true satisfaction. So we should seek the true bread through true belief in the true source that will bring true satisfaction. This is what Jesus is telling us. So, what we see in this passage is the people coming to Jesus in verse 27. And Jesus says to them, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. He says there's something that gives you eternal life. Something that endures. It's the word, that word for endure also can be translated remains, that stays with you for eternal life. Later he'll say that this bread gives eternal life. Earthly food sustains life, but this food actually gives life you can eat all the bread you want but it will not give life to a dead man the bread that Jesus offers is a bread that gives life so the people think that they need to do some kind of work some kind of work to earn this bread what must we do to seek to do the works of God so that we can have this bread well we seek the true bread through the true belief Jesus says this Jesus answered them. He said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You know, something interesting about the word believe in the book of John is that John never uses the word believe as a noun. It's always a verb. He never uses the word belief, faith. It's always a verb. It's an action. It's an act. He says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him, whom he has sent. That believing, as Hebrews says, that without faith, without believing, we cannot please God. And so Jesus cuts right to the heart and says, if you want this bread, if you want eternal life, the work of God is to believe in the one whom he sent. Now that belief comes in in different stages, doesn't it? I mean, to just believe that he is who he says he is, that's one thing. But you also have to believe who you are. You look at the book of Romans, Paul does a great job of of, of establishing the entire gospel by first of all making a logical case for God that there is a creator and that he created us and that we have a broken relationship with him and we are, it's impossible for us alone to reconcile that relationship because we are in sin, but that he sent someone, he sent his son to reconcile us to God and in him there is no condemnation. The first part of our belief is that we believe that we are without any righteousness, that we have a broken relationship with God and we don't have any right to be in his presence on our own because of our sin. And there's a hunger in you and in me that cannot be satisfied in this life because it's for something greater. It's for something eternal. It's to know God. It's to be in the presence of God. That's what Augustine was saying. And what Christ is telling the people is you cannot come to God on your own, but if you believe in him whom he sent, then you'll be satisfied. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis, which by the way comes out of Mere Christianity, which is a Sunday school about that next week. He says this, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger, well there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, well there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire, well there's such a thing as sex. If we find ourselves though, with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Say that again, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you have a a desire, a hunger that cannot be satisfied. The only way it can be satisfied is with me. Because I'll take you to that other world. I'll give you new life. Lewis continues, he says, if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that doesn't prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. We talk about Jesus' signs as pointing to the greater thing. C.S. Lewis here is saying that our desires, our unsatisfied desires are actually signs pointing to something greater as well. The deep hunger that we have can only be satisfied in something greater he says this, I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. Amen. Verse 32, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven. If you notice, he, he, he's, he's, he's the true light. He's, uh, he's, he's the ideal, he's the ideal light, the, the true bread. And he says here, that my Father gives you true bread for heaven, from heaven. Only true bread can satisfy true hunger. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life, gives life to the world. Now he's got him. In verse 34, the people are saying, sir, give us this bread always. Who's that sound like? That sounds like a few chapters back, the woman at the well. When he said, if you drink, if you have water, my living water, you will never thirst. And she said, sir, give me this water. I want to never be thirsty. I want to never experience hunger. And he's saying that this bread, the true bread, satisfies all hunger and all thirst. Reminds me of Matthew 5 when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What's he say? They shall be satisfied. Satisfied in him fully satisfied we're to seek this through the true faith true faith in what in the true source of that bread they asked him sir give us this bread and then Jesus says verse 35 I am the bread of life this is one of the I am statements of of Jesus I am the bread of life I think this threw them. They were looking for something like manna. They were looking for, for this, 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 this what, what Moses gave. They were looking for something from the Exodus, something that they can touch and, and eat and consume and, 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 and a sign that, that, would, that would convince them that he was who he said he was. But he says, I'm the bread of life. say this, the key to everything we do as a church is on this verse right here. The point of our mission, the focus of our lives must be on the only one who can and will satisfy any who come to him. To proclaim the bread of life to help one another, to point everyone in the direction of the bread of life, to satisfy their hungers. As as the hymn says, Hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings. Through his blood, I now am saved. And what does he do? He goes on to show us that if we seek the true bread through true faith in the true source, Only that way, only in that way can we have true satisfaction. He says, Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Let that sink in. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Fully satisfied. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Notice this repetition of I will raise him up on the last day. It's an emphatic statement saying that I will raise him up. Whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. They won't wander off. They won't be lost. And you know what? On the last day, I will raise him up. I will keep him in my presence. And he will always be in my presence. Now, for all, um, all, all the Calvinists out there, I'm, I'm not going to let this go. But I'm going to talk more about that next week because there's a lot to say about this. When Jesus says things like, nobody comes to me unless the Father draws him. Those are serious statements. Those are intense statements, and we have to know what to do with that and what that means to us. But what I'm going to say it means right now is this. If you come to Jesus through true faith, through the true source, you are not only fully satisfied, truly satisfied, but I'll add one, you are truly secure. What I want to sink in today is whoever comes to Jesus, whoever comes to Christ, he doesn't cast you out. You think you're not good enough for him? You think you're a mess? You probably are. I am. Take heart. Because he doesn't take you because you are so good at this or so good at that or you're so beautiful or whatever else. He takes you because the Father gives gives us to him and because you come to him. That's why he receives you. And that's why he holds on to you for dear life. And that's why he never lets you go. And that's why he never casts you out. How many times have you felt like he should cast me out? Listen to these words and believe these words. He will never cast you out. You are secure in him. If you come to him and you believe in him this is true security it's true satisfaction and it's offered through the true bread our true hunger is satisfied in the true bread of life in jesus what does this true satisfaction look like well i'll defer to paul the apostle paul Because when we think about the kind of world we want to live in, it doesn't look like the kind of world that the Apostle Paul lived in. When we think about the kind of government that we would like to have, it doesn't look like the kind of government that the Apostle Paul had to live under. But this is what he tells the Philippian church. He says this, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Also, replace I was satisfied. To rest. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger of abundance and need. How? Because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The bread of life that gives me life. doesn't just sustain my life, but gives life to my soul that will live forever. No matter what is happening here. No matter what is happening when I go out next, next week or tomorrow. No matter what. I know that I have my soul satisfied in the bread of life. And that is something forever. That's not something for just today. It's not something until he gets tired of me. It is something forever. And in that, we can rest. and that, we can rejoice. And when Paul is getting beat up, when he's getting in prison, when he's getting shredded, you know, whipped to shreds, yes, it hurts. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it's devastating, but he knows to whom he belongs. And he knows the life of his soul is sustained and given to him by the bread of life. And he ends with this in in Philippians. He says, and my God, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. My God will supply every hunger that you have. Every desire, the desires that you don't know that are lurking in your heart, my God will supply those for you because He loves you, and because when you come to him, He will never cast you out, and He will hold you forever. So do we stop asking for God's provision? No. Paul asked for prayers for Paphroditus. He asked for prayers. He asked for, he asked for prayers all the time for the churches. Look at his letters. Jesus, when people came and asked for healing, he healed them. When Mary and Martha were crying out about Lazarus, he raised Lazarus. But as we know, they all got sick again. They all died. There were signs to point to what he was going to do ultimately. But where we are today, do we stop asking for God's provision, God's safety, God's help? Do we stop asking for better governments, better schools, and all these other things? No, we don't. We just need to have our loves in the right order. To have Christ before all things. C.S. Lewis, I'm quoting him a lot today. But he reminds us that how the greatest social change in world history, the greatest social change makers were those who had the highest view of Christ. Those who created or led the greatest social change are those who had the highest view of Christ. Think of William Wilberforce. Think of Richard Allen, who started the African-American Episcopalian Church, former slave, getting mistreated. Think of Martin Luther King. All of them were looking ahead to what was waiting for them. And they didn't forget this world. They knew that they were here for a purpose, but they were on their way to be with Christ. And Lewis says this, aim for heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim for earth and you lose both. So how do we do this? How do we get closer to understand? Because the truth is, We distract ourselves from our needs. We distract ourselves from our deepest hungers. Hearing about celebrities who experience loneliness. Hear about friends, hear about people we know who experience loneliness, depression. And what we do is we we seek to medicate. We seek ways to distract. We get on the phone. We get on the internet. We do whatever we can to keep the truth out of our heads because it's too hard to handle. And I understand that. It's hard. But it also doesn't help us to understand our true desire to be with the Lord. That distraction doesn't allow us to hear the voice of God calling us to let the Lord probe our hearts through his spirit. So on your path to believing in Christ, to, on your path to growing in a deeper faith in Christ, I'd like to challenge all of us, just try this this week. Take one hour a day without any distractions. One hour a day without the internet. Now, you may say, I do that already. Well, then go beyond what you already do. And take time to ask the Lord to search your heart. To bring you to a closer desire for him, a greater desire for him. Ask him to help you, to to bring to light the desires of your heart for him and that he would show you how he would fulfill those those desires. Spend time during those those silent times in, in, in his word and in prayer, seeking him, crying out to him, Grace and peace, your deepest desires were never meant to be fully satisfied. They were never meant to be fully satisfied in this life. But don't deny them. See where they're pointing. See where God is leading you through them. And let's seek to proclaim and to give the true bread that gives life the bread of life. Let's seek to proclaim that. Let's seek to point others to the true bread and to seek to give it to our community as well. Let's aim for heaven. Pray with me. Jesus, help us to love you. Help us, Lord, that we would seek the true bread from heaven to satisfy our true hunger. We are weak, Lord, we need you. And Lord, I pray for anybody in this, in this sanctuary this morning who don't know you, who are, aren't sure about Christianity, who aren't sure about you, Lord, I pray that by your spirit you would reveal yourself to them and that you would draw them to you by your spirit and that they would believe upon you. Lord, do it. Give new life today and lead us in a deeper walk with you. In Christ's name, amen.